Hi, this is Bill Osmolsky with the McIver Institute, and this is the McIver Newsmakers Podcast. We're joined today with Representative Jim Steinecke, and we're going to talk about the lawsuit that the legislature just filed against uh, Governor Evers' secretary-designee of health services, Andrea Palm. Uh, Representative, thank you very much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, a lot of news, a lot of news happening really fast. Um, I guess to, you know, just give this a brief introduction. I mean, we, we've essentially had, uh, we're, we're in our second constitutional crisis of the month. <laughs> and, uh, right. and so now we've got a situation where um, the governor's power, emergency powers expire on the 10th. And he says, well, according to state law, my health services secretary can extend that forever. So that's what she's doing. Yep, and it's uh, extremely frustrating from our point of view because, you know, we've been doing our best to uh, be deferential to the governor during his 60-day emergency declaration because he does have pretty broad powers under uh, that declaration. Uh, however, once he decided to extend it beyond that, uh, that's when obviously we, we felt like we had to act because it's untenable at best to have an unelected bureaucrat uh, in charge indefinitely of people's freedom of movement and freedom of business operations. Um, all those things make it uh, extremely difficult to deal with. So we, we need to make sure that we get some clarity here and the people have a voice through their legislature and any actions that are taken beyond the uh, statutory deadline of his emergency de declaration. So let's talk briefly about the lawsuit itself because, uh, you know, a lot of um, a lot, a lot of talk out there about what it is and what it is not. So why don't, why don't we just set the record straight and tell us exactly what you're asking the Supreme Court to do in, in terms of uh, uh, the, the health services secretary designee. So I'll, I'll start off with first what we're not asking them to do is end the safer at home order immediately. Uh, in fact, in the lawsuit itself, it asks uh, that the Supreme Court, uh, if and when they rule in our favor, uh, that they put a stay on that uh, decision so we can work with the administration to put uh, something in place uh, that makes sense as far as uh, extending the safer at home order, but at the same time allowing things to begin to open up. Uh, so negotiations would take place in that time frame. But really what we're, we're petitioning the Supreme Court on is to make sure that um, the secretary-designee's uh, authority under the statutes is seen as what we believe it is, which is rulemaking authority. Uh, she can't possibly have the, the power to enact laws on her own with no legislative oversight or involvement. Uh, so that's what we're, we're really asking the Supreme Court to decide on. So um, at the end of the day, at the, the Supreme Court is essentially just going to provide information on whether or not the health services secretary can or cannot declare a public health emergency forever. Right. So basically, I mean, it, it makes sense if you if you kind of walk through the steps. The governor has the, the power to declare the emergency. That power is good for 60 days. Uh, in the statute, so it also says that the legislature has the ability to either A, revoke that power, or B, uh, decide not to extend it after that 60 days. So now along comes Evers basically saying that the DHS secretary, you know, more or less an employee of his, uh, can on her own subvert the will of the, the legislature and subvert the will of the, the people of the state and do this all on her own indefinitely 
with no legislative oversight. It just doesn't square. So that's that's what we need the Supreme Court to decide on. Yeah. So it seems like uh, technically that's what the law says. But if the if the Constitution actually, you know, supports that, it sounds like a pretty big loophole in our state constitution. It's seriously problematic, especially when you when you listen to Andrea Palm, uh, the DHS secretary, and some of the things she's saying. She's she's basically saying that this right now is the new normal until we get a vaccine, and even beyond that. So if you have that individual unelected, unaccountable to the voters, um, making decisions unilaterally on her own with no involvement from. Uh, the people that uh, are elected to re- represent the citizens of Wisconsin, um, we have a completely different system of government than our founders envisioned. Yeah, one of the uh, troubling things throughout this, too, is just the lack of data that these decisions seem to be based on. I mean, you, you, even from the start, the DHS was unable to provide numbers on how many people they expect to get this, how many hospital beds we're going to need, how many health care providers might have might have this. And even, you know, trying to assess how successful we've been, they can't even tell us how many people have recovered. And uh, we hear the terms of outbreak and, uh, and epidemic, and it just feels like we're really lacking definition on things. And who's to say what under, you know, what justification uh, Secretary Desmond Palm could use to extend this? I mean, does that mean if there's two people left in the state that have it, could she use it as justification? I, I think under the Evers administration's, uh, you know, what what they're saying her authority is, I'm not sure there are any restrictions on how she could utilize this authority. Uh, and that's what's problematic. And, you know, I know the Evers administration is, is touting the fact that his plan closely mirrors the president. Uh, in, some play, in some areas it does, but in important areas it doesn't. It doesn't allow for a regional approach within the state. Um, you know, so every corner of the state is treated exactly the same under, uh, you know, their order, which doesn't make sense. I mean, you've got Superior being treated the same as Milwaukee, where Milwaukee is having, uh, you know, an outbreak, although it is, uh, you know, declining uh, numbers in Milwaukee. So that's good news. But they're being treated exactly the same as Superior. That's like us, in, uh, you know, in Milwaukee waiting until St. Louis uh, has their situation figured out before we start to reopen up. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. We have to be more flexible and allow uh, businesses to open up, even though we're not going to be turning on the light switch all at once. So one of the, one of the uh, things that I've observed throughout this whole public health emergency is just the number of contradictions that it feels we're getting out of the administration. And when you watch other press conferences, you'll see they say one thing one day, then they contradict the next day, and then, you know, it just back and forth. And this this part about following, I mean, following the president's lead, I mean, we've gotten a lot of criticism out of this administration that, Oh, we aren't getting anything out of out of the uh, out of the uh, out of President Trump's administration. And now we've got, oh, we're following their lead. Well, you know, <laughs> Right. Right. I know. And it, it is, you know, it, it comes down to a little bit of politics, obviously, that, uh, you know, they'll point to his words when they're convenient for him. And when they're not, they'll uh, use his words to beat him up on, beat him up with. Um, so it, it is frustrating. I mean, it was frustrating that, you know, last night that the governor, uh, instead of, uh, you know, extending the, the olive branch or taking up the olive branch that we extended to him and working together on a plan post 
May 12th, uh, instead decided to tweet out, or more likely Maggie Gao tweeted out, uh, that Republicans don't care about the people that are sick and don't have sympathy for the, the families of the dead. Um, it's just frankly disgusting and has no place in uh, politics right now, and especially when we're dealing with a, a crisis like we are, where real people are hurting not only from the virus, but from the economic impact of it. Well, uh, you know, just on a side note, it feels a little disingenuous when they, when they you know, lament the tragedy of 220 deaths, and yet they've allowed the abortion clinics to keep running at full speed. Well, there is that for sure. I agree with you there. Um, and then in terms of, you know, these conversations, like how much has the administration reached out to you? Like, were there, were there ever conversations about, hey, my powers expire on May 10th, but here's, for this, for these reasons, I feel like you should consider extending them. No, I mean, you know, and that's, that's kind of the, the frustrations here. Again, he, he has the broad authority. We recognize that for the 60 days. So he doesn't, doesn't have to do much working with us. Uh, and he hasn't. I mean, basically, for, for this emergency declaration period, mostly what we've gotten is uh, information provided very shortly before the public hears it about what they're going to do uh, instead of, you know, consultation on, you know, what our ideas are as well or what we're hearing from the public as far as what the best course is. So it's been more uh, notification than consultation, um, which, again, is within his authority, but after that 60-day period, uh, the people deserve to get their voice back and have a have an impact on this process through their elected representatives. Now, are you guys? Um, so, what are, what are what are the chances for success in this lawsuit, and what would be the the outcome of of success? Yeah, listen, you know, it's it's always difficult when you're making uh, arguments uh, before the Supreme Court, and you're you're not entirely sure. Uh, which direction uh, they're going to go. I mean, we feel like we have uh, the arguments are on our side uh, that show that this is uh, an overreach of power and that the, the legislature uh, is the body that is responsible for enacting laws and an individual, uh, unelect, especially unelected, can't do that on her own. Uh, so we feel we feel good about where we're at. But uh, that being said, we, we can't say for sure how they're going to rule. Uh, but if they do rule in our favor, then, uh, you know, we're, it's going to force the Evers administration to work with the legislature on a plan going forward. If the Supreme Court rules against us, I'll be honest, we're, we're in a tough spot to have any impact on uh, planning for coming out of this going forward. Uh, so, you know, considering the situation of the dog that catches the car, um, do you, does the legislature have a plan ready to go that if the legislature, you know, if the Supreme Court says, hey, Governor Evers can't do this, okay, legislature, what's your, what's your, uh, what's your, uh, what's your plan? Yeah, so, I mean, it's not exactly how it works. So if the Supreme Court rules in favor of us, basically what they would be saying is that the administration through the uh, DHS secretary would have to uh, come forward with a rule that the legislature would then uh, have an impact on either by rejecting the rule in whole or sending it back for modifications. Uh, so that's where we would really have our impact. As far as drafting a separate plan, there may be a time and a place for that, but uh, right now that's that's not where we're at. Uh, but that being said, we have members across the state that are working with uh, businesses in their communities on plans uh, to reopen and what 
they can do to make sure that they, uh, you know, have the safety of the public in mind while still being able to provide the services that uh, our communities so desperately need. So, so um, th this case is already starting to play out. I notice a little bit of movement uh, from the Supreme Court. So uh, just walk us through the timeline right now. Where, where are we at? What's happened so far? What happens next? Yeah, so we, we filed uh, the other day. Um, every day seems like a month. I think we filed yesterday, but or the day before. I can't even remember right now. Um, so everything goes very quickly. So um, the Supreme Court has asked the administration to respond by next week. Uh, then I would assume that the Supreme Court, you know, given the nature of this, would uh, want to act fairly quickly, whether that's within a, a week or a little bit longer. I'm not sure, but... Uh, we need to have resolution to this uh, well ahead of that May twelfth uh, deadline, so we can uh, we can prepare uh, for either eventuality. So, um, I hear you saying May twelfth, May May tenth uh, is when. Uh, yes. So the, when the governor's powers officially uh, end. What does the legislature do now? Like, are you guys planning on coming in on May the 11th to debate whether or not to extend his powers? Well, I, I think we've already made the decision that we're not going to extend, extend that emergency declaration. So it is, it's going to be incumbent on the, uh, the, you know, the administration to work with the legislature going forward on uh, enacting a plan if the Supreme Court doesn't, in fact, rule in our favor. Um, and that's really how our system of government was set up, right? I mean, it, it's, it wasn't set up to have uh, an unelected bureaucrat uh, throwing down edicts that have the power of law um, without legislative involvement. So that's really what we're looking for. Um, you know, we believe, like the governor believes, that you, you can't just automatically turn the economy on overnight, that it's got to be got to be gradual. But where we differ is we think you can take a more regional approach, start opening up different areas of the state sooner than others, um, as long as we're doing it in a measured and uh, smart approach. So the ultimate goal here is to make the administration work with the legislature and actually, you know, compromise and come up with a plan that works for everyone. Oh, right. And so that, that's the thing that just blows my mind that uh, the administration uh, is making this out to be, some kind of partisan power grab, which seems to be their uh, fallback line for just about everything these days is uh, partisan power grab. When, when in effect, w what we're saying is we want to work together. Uh, and what he's saying is we don't need you to, to in order to do what we want to do. So who's being partisan and who's trying to grab all the power? I, I think it's pretty clear it's the administration in this case. Uh, so it's it's kind of laughable the the direction they're going with their own talking points. Now, I mean, political calculations aside, you know, and just you know, in terms of just you know, un unfiltered options, you know, we we always hear how the legislature has the power of the purse. I mean, hypothetically, couldn't the legislature just cut off all funding to the executive branch if it came if it became that desperate? Yeah, I don't know. We haven't uh, we haven't quite looked at, at those options yet. I mean, I. I think the the hope is that uh, through the Supreme Court action, they'll force bipartisan action, uh, like we had in the in the package of uh, legislation that we passed last week, dealing with the COVID nineteen relief package. Um, that was bipartisan in nature. It was good work that we did together. There's no reason that we can't do this, uh, do it the same way. Planning for this uh, eventual reopening of businesses throughout the state.
So perhaps that was an extreme example, but I mean, the legislature does have the power of the purse. You do have some leverage, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, that the, the thing we have to start looking at and we have to start preparing for is just the the realistic eventuality that we are going to be well short of the revenues that we thought we were uh, going to have going into the future. Um, you know, we may have to start looking at, uh, you know, freezing a second year budget spending at what the first year levels were. Uh, just to to make sure that we're not increasing spending in a time where revenues are decreasing, because that will just lead to greater and deeper cuts uh, come next year. So we we are looking at those uh, those numbers. We'll we'll get more numbers in May uh, as as far as the reestimates of what our fiscal uh, situation looks like, and we'll we'll start to make decisions beyond that. Well, I guess to take like a super pessimist approach to this, then I, I guess if you know, by some chance the Supreme Court doesn't, you know, rule rule in your favor and the, the legislature's sidelined, eventually Governor Evers will just run out of money and, and that, that, that will, and then I have to back down. Uh, yeah, I mean, except in Wisconsin, you know, you go on a biennial budget and, um, you know, if you don't pass a budget, and which wouldn't be until next year anyway, um, you know, the, the budget continues as, as it was under the previous budget. So, um, I, I can't imagine if the Supreme court rules against us, I, I'll have to be honest. I, I don't know what our next steps could be because in order to affect change at that point, we would have to pass a bill. Well, obviously if we pass a bill, the governor has to sign it to make it law. Um, so we would be in an incredibly difficult situation if, uh, the Supreme court decided against us in this case. Well, so uh, it'll be uh, some tense waiting for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, obviously. I mean, and if if the Supreme Court did rule against us, obviously we are going to have to do everything that we can to to publicly push for uh, changes. But we're going to need the grassroots. We're going to need people around the state uh, to start to rise up to have their voices heard. Um, to have any kind of impact on uh, an unelected bureaucrat's decisions uh, over their their freedoms and their uh, abilities to operate businesses uh, that they've worked their whole lives to build. Yeah, so uh, speaking of which, do you have any thoughts on the uh, upcoming, I mean, the protests we've already had and the protests we're looking at on, you know, Friday especially? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, people will show that we don't need uh, you know, heavy-handed government edicts in order to follow CDC guidance. Guidance. So I'm hoping you know we don't see massive crowds of people, uh, you know, lined up like cordwood because I think that would run counter to the, uh, you know, the idea that we can, as a citizenry, be responsible on our own without the heavy-handed government getting involved. Um, and it will just give the Evers administration more. Um, things to point at as to the reasons that they they need the power that they are seeking. So I would just request that anybody that's heading to Madison to protest uh, do so in a safe manner that respects the CDC guidelines, because I think that's in everybody's best interest. Sounds good. Well, hey, Representative, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And uh, for the McIver Institute, I'm Bill Osmolsky. This has been the McIver Newsmakers Podcast, and we were joined by Representative Jim Steinecke. Thank you very much for listening, and we look forward to uh, having you back again soon.